ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so last week we covered the first hadith from the 40 hadith of al-imam nawawi and that was the hadith regarding the intentions. That indeed all of your actions are but by your intentions. So for the individual who intends by his actions, the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, doing it sincerely for the sake of Allah, then for that individual, it will be written for him that he did this action sincerely, and the reward will be in accordance to that sincerity. And as for an individual who does his actions for other than the sake of Allah, then for that individual it will be recorded accordingly that this individual did not do his actions for the sake of Allah. So that was the first hadith. Now we're going to look at the second hadith. And this is the one that is famously known as the hadith of Jibreel. Jibreel salam, one of the angels. And on this occasion it's mentioned from the narration of Umar. ابن الخطاب رضي الله عنه قال بينما نحن جلوس عند رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات يوم إذ طلع علينا رجل شديد بياض الثياب شديد صواد شعر لا يرى عليه أثر صفر ولا يعرف منا أحد عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه says at the beginning of this hadith this hadith which is going to speak about the pillars of Iman, and it's going to speak about the pillars of Islam, and it's going to mention various aspects linked to that. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he says, that on one occasion we were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. On one occasion we were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِذْ طَلَعَ عَلَيْنَا رَجُلٌ and whilst we were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ, a man came upon us. A man appeared. Rajalun shadidu So this man he came as they were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ. And this man he had extremely white clothes. Extremely white clothes. Shadidu sawadi shar. And he had extremely black, dark hair. لَا يُرَى عَلَيْهِ أَثَرُ السَّفَرُ However, there were no signs upon him that he had been traveling. There were no signs of traveling upon him. There was no dirt, etc. on his clothes. It didn't look like he'd been traveling. وَلَا يَعْرِفُهُ مِنَّا أَحَدٍ And yet none of us knew him. Umar ibn Khattab says, none of us knew who he was. حَتَّى جَلَسَ إِلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وسلم until he came in and sat with the Prophet ﷺ, فَأَسْنَدَ رُكْبَتَيْهِ إِلَىٰ رُكْبَتَيْهِ And he placed his knees next to the knees of the Prophet ﷺ, وَوَضَعَ كَفَّيْهِ عَلَىٰ فَخِذَيْهِ And this man put his hands on his knees, on his thighs, he put his hands on his own thighs, وَقَالَ then this man said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Muhammad, akhbirni anil Islam. 
Oh Muhammad, tell me about Islam. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, So the Prophet said, الْإِسْلَامُ أَن تَشْهَدَ أَن لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَتُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ وَتُؤْتِيَ الزَّكَاةِ وَتَسُومُ رَمَضَانِ وَتَحُجَّ الْبَيْتَ إِنْ إِسْتَطَعْتَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا The Prophet said that Islam is that you bear testification that none has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and that you establish the prayer and that you give the zakat and that you fast in Ramadan and that you make the hajj if you are able to go. Qala sadaqt. This man who was asking the question then said to the Prophet ﷺ, you've spoken the truth. Sadaqta, you've spoken the truth. Qal fa'ajibna lahu yas'aluhu wa yusaddiquhu. He said, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu says, we were shocked, we were surprised that this man was asking the Prophet wasallam, and then afterwards he says to him that you've spoken the truth as if you already knew the answer. So he said, we were surprised. Then he said, the man, فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِيمَانِ So tell me about Iman. قَالْ أَن تُؤْمِنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُولِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَتُؤْمِنَ بِالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ The Prophet ﷺ said that Iman is the six pillars that you believe in Allah and the angels and his books and his messengers and the day of judgment and that you believe in the decree it's good and it's bad. So the man again replied, Sadaqt, you've spoken the truth. Then he said, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِحْسَانِ قَالْ أَخْبِرْنِي فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِحْسَانِ Tell me about إِحْسَانِ قَالْ أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكَ The man said, tell me about what إِحْسَانِ is. So then the Prophet said to him, إِحْسَانِ is that you worship Allah as if you can see Him. And indeed you cannot see Allah. But certainly Allah sees you. So when you worship Allah, you're aware of that. قَالْ فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ السَّاعَةِ Then the man said to the Prophet ﷺ another question. He said, tell me about the day of judgment, the hour. Tell me about the hour. قَالْ مَا الْمَسْؤُولُ عَنْهَا بِأَعْلَمَ مِنَ السَّائِلِ he said that the one who is being asked this question is no more knowledgeable than the one who is asking the question. I.e. neither do I know and neither do you know when the hour is going to be. قَالْ So then the man said to the Prophet ﷺ, then tell me about the signs of the hour. Tell me about the signs of the hour. قَالْ أَن تَلِدَ الْأَمَةُ رَبَّتَهَا وَأَن تَرَ الْحُفَاةَ الْعُرَاةَ الْعَالَةَ رِعَاءَ الشَّاءِ يَتَضَاوَلُونَ فِي الْبُنْيَانِ قَالْ ثُمَّ انْطَلَقَ فَلَبِثْتُ مَلِيًّا ثُمَّ قَالَ لِي يَا عُمَرُ أَتَدْرِي مَنِ السَّائِلِ قُلْتُ وَاللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَعْلَمُ قَالْ فَإِنَّهُ جِبْرِيلٌ أَتَاكُمْ يُعَلِّمُكُمْ دِينَكُمْ رواه مسلم so then the Prophet ﷺ said that from the signs of the hour are that the slave girl will give birth to her mistress, will give birth to the one who is then in control of her, 
and that you will see the barefooted, naked shepherds competing in building in tall buildings. Then after that, this man, he left. Umar ibn Khattab says, I stayed a while after the man left. And then the Prophet said to Umar, do you know who that man was? The Prophet said to Umar, do you know who this was who was asking the questions? So Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu said, Allah and his messenger know best, I don't know. So then the Prophet said to him, that was Jibreel. He came to teach you the religion. He came to teach you all the religion. Jibreel alayhi salam, he was the one who had come in the appearance of a human to ask the Prophet those questions. So this hadith then, Al-Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala says, هذا الحديث حديث عظيم بين فيه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أركان الإسلام. This is a great hadith in which the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has clarified the pillars of Islam. وأركان الإيمان and the pillars of Iman. وبين فيه الإحسان and he clarified what Ihsan is. وبين فيه شيئا من علامات ساعة and he clarified some of the signs of the hour. وَهَذَا الْحَدِيثُ بَيَّنَ الدِّينَ كُلَّهِ And this hadith, it clarifies the whole of the religion to you. And we're going to come to all of those bits in detail now. The pillars of Islam and the pillars of Iman and Ihsan and the Day of Judgment. All of that will come to it in detail in the explanation. وَأَنَّ الدِّينَ مَرَاتِبَ The hadith also explains that this religion is of different levels. This religion within it, there are different levels. وَأَنَّ الدِّينَ مَرَاتِبْ وَالنَّاسُ لَيْسُ عَلَى حَدٍ سَوَاءٍ فِي الدِّينَ And that all the people, they are not at the same level in the religion. Not everybody is at the same level in the religion. فَمِنْهُمْ الْمُسْلِمِ وَمِنْهُمْ الْمُؤْمِنِ ثُمَّ الْمُحْسِنِ So you have somebody who is a Muslim, but you have somebody higher than that who is a mu'min, and you have somebody higher than that who is a muhsin. I will come to the explanation of all of that later. But these are different levels in the religion. Some people may be at a higher level of the religion than other people. Not everybody is at the same level of Islam, or at the same level of their practicing of the religion. So at the beginning of the hadith it says, بَيْنَمَا نَحْنُ جُلُوسٌ عِنْدَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ سَيَسَلَّمُ Umar ibn Khattab says that whilst we were sitting with the Prophet wasallam, the shaykh says, قَدْ كَانَ الصَّحَابَةُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ مِنْ عَادَتِهِمْ أَنَّهُمْ يَجْلِسُونَ إِلَى النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَتَعَلَّمُونَ مِنْهُ وَيَسْتَرْشِدُونَ مِنْهُ وَيَسْأَلُونَهُ عَنْ أُمُورِ دِينِهِمْ وَدُنْيَاهُمْ It was from the habit of the companions that they would sit with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and they would ask him about various affairs. They would ask him about the various things in their religion. They would ask him about the various issues and questions that they had. So it was common. And it was normal for the companions to go and sit with the Prophet ﷺ to ask him about the religion and to ask him about various affairs. وَفِي جَلْسَةٍ مِّن جَلَسَاتِهِمْ مَعَ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ دَخَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ رَجْلٌ فِي صُورَةٍ عَجِيبَةٍ لَمْ يَكُونُوا يَأْلَفُونَهَا On one occasion, when they were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ, and that was normal, they used to sit with him often. On one of these occasions, when they were sat with the Prophet ﷺ, 
a strange man came in, in a strange appearance, very white clothes and very dark hair, and there was no signs of traveling, there was no dust on him or anything. But that was strange, because they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize who this man was. So he obviously wasn't one of their own people from their village, from Medina. They didn't recognize who he was. So he must have been an outsider. But if he was an outsider, then how come there was no signs of traveling? There was no dust, there was nothing. So it was strange to them. It didn't look like he'd been traveling, but at the same time, he wasn't one of their own people either. So he must have been traveling. But it didn't look like he was traveling. There was no signs of traveling on him. So it was all strange who this individual was. كَمَا قَالْ إِطَّلَعَ عَلَيْنَا رَجْلٌ شَدِيدُ بِيَاضِ فَيَابٌ شَدِيدُ سَوَادِ شَعَرٌ لَا يُرَى عَلَيْهِ أَثَرُ سَفْرٌ وَلَا يَعْرِفُ مِنَّا أَحَدًا So this was all strange to them. Because he wasn't one of their people from their own place. And at the same time, if he wasn't one of their own people from their own place, you would expect there to be signs of traveling, dust and other things. But there was nothing. So it was all strange that he's not one of their own people, but at the same time, it doesn't look like he's traveled from the outside either. وَكَانَ جِبْرِيلُ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ يَأْتِي إِلَى النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ فِي الْغَالِبِ فِي سُورَةِ رَجُلٍ This hadith then shows that Jibreel alayhi salam came to the Prophet sallam looking like a man. And that is something the angels can do. The angels can take different appearances. The angels can take the appearance of a man as Jibreel alayhi salam did on this occasion. And in fact, the majority of the time, when Jibreel alayhi salam used to come to the Prophet sallam, he would come to him in the appearance of a man, a human. Because that is the norm that us humans are used to. We are used to seeing other humans in that appearance. So in order to make it normal, then Jibreel alayhi salam would come looking like a human, like a man, rather than in his original appearance, in his actual appearance. And the Prophet saw Jibreel in his actual appearance on some occasions. And it's mentioned that he saw that Jibreel had 600 wings and it covered the whole of the horizon. But most of the time, when Jibreel السلام, used to come to the Prophet السلام, then he used to come to him looking like a human, like a man. لِأَنَّ الْمَلَائِكَةَ تَظْهَرُ لِبَنِي آدَمَ فِي سُورَتِهَا الْحَقِيقِيَّةِ إِلَّا عِنْدَ نُزُولِ الْمَوْتِ أَوْ الْعَذَابَ Because angels, the Shaykh says, don't normally appear to humans in their normal form. Except at the time of death, when the angels of death they come, then they come or the angel of death it comes upon its original appearance. Or when it is punishment, when the angels they come to punish, at the time of death, etc., then they come upon their original appearance. But otherwise, it is mentioned that they would come in the appearance of a human, in the normal appearance, in order that this would be more uh, of a norm to see, and not something strange and frightening to see the angels in their real appearance. So Jibreel used to come normally in his normal appearance as a human, not in the normal appearance as an angel. Uh, rather, after that, So this indicates that he was wearing, wearing extremely white clothes. That his appearance was very beautiful. He had very dark hair, very beautiful appearance. 
All of this indicates what? There's a benefit to be taken from that. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentions, there's a benefit to be taken from this. The fact that Jibreel salam, when he came to the Prophet وسلم, he came in a beautiful appearance, very white, clean clothes, very dark hair, nicely done. He came in a beautiful appearance. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, the benefit to be taken from that is that when the people, they go to sit in a lesson of knowledge, for example, they go to sit with their teacher, they go to sit with the sheikh, whoever that might be from amongst the mashayikh, then it's upon a student of knowledge to go in a good appearance. That the student of knowledge, when he goes to seek knowledge, to learn his religion, to learn about Allah, the Qur'an, the sunnah, that he goes in a nice appearance. That his clothes and his appearance is in a good way when he goes to seek knowledge. Not that he's scruffy and untidy to go and sit in a lesson of knowledge. But rather that he's upon a good and nice appearance when he goes to seek knowledge. Because that is what Jibreel, the angel, salam, did. He came on a beautiful appearance to see the Prophet No, rather after that then, uh, it mentions... وَأَنْ يَأْتِيَ بِسُورَةٍ نَظِيفَةٍ جَمِيلًا لِأَنَّ جِبْرِيلَ جَاءَ مُعَلِّمًا وَمُتَعَلِّمًا Because on this occasion when Jibreel came, he came as a teacher and as a student. He came to ask the Prophet ﷺ those questions, but for the purpose of educating the companions and the people who were there. So he came in this beautiful appearance. وَمِنْ ذَلِكَ أَنَّهُ عَلَّمَهُمْ كَيْفَ يَأْتُونَ إِلَى مَجْلِسِ الرَّسُولَ ﷺ وَاللِّقَاءُ بِالرَّسُولِ سَأَسَلَّمْ وَاللِّقَاءُ بِالْعُلَمَاءِ يَنْبَغِي أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُ اسْتِعْدَادِ وَإِجْلَالُ الْعُلَمَاءِ مَطْلُوبًا لِأَنَّكَ إِذَا لَمْ تُجِلُّ الْعَالِمْ وَتَحْتَرِمُ لَمْ تَسْتَفِدْ مِنْ عِلْمِهِ فَقَوْلُهُ فَجَالَسَ النَّبِي سَلَّمْ so here Jibreel came in that good appearance and the shaykh says that is what is befitting of a person to do when he goes to a circle of knowledge to be prepared and in a good appearance because if you don't do that and you don't make that preparation and you don't come in the good appearance and the good tidy way then you may not be able to benefit from the lesson. You may be prevented from benefiting from the lesson and from the knowledge of the scholar if you do not go in a proper way. Then after that it mentions, فَجَلَسَ إِلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. Jibreel السلام, came and sat with the Prophet ﷺ. Within this it indicates various aspects of seeking knowledge also. Firstly, as we said, that you make your appearance good, but also the way you sit. Even that is mentioned in this hadith. This is the way of the sunnah, the Qur'an, this religion, it covers everything. Allah said, your religion is complete. Every single thing is mentioned. Even how to sit when you attend lessons is mentioned in this hadith of the Prophet That Jibreel came and he sat next to the Prophet That a person should sit in front of the teacher and be aware and focused to seek knowledge. Just as Jibreel came and taught them, that's what he did. He came and he sat in front of the Prophet in order to be ready and focused to take that knowledge, to teach everyone else. This is how you sit when you sit in front of the teacher, in front of the shaykh, etc. To seek the knowledge. And not to be looking around and twitching and moving about. This isn't from the manners of seeking knowledge. 
that the person is always fidgeting. But from the manners of seeking knowledge is that a person is focused on the lesson and focused on what is being said. قَوْلُهُ فَأَسْنَدَ رُكْبَتَيْهِ إِلَى Jibreel السلام, he put his knees next to the knees of the Prophet السلام, sitting on the floor. Put the knees next to the knees. مُقَابِلًا لَهُ وَقَرِيبًا مِنْهُ So Jibreel السلام, was very close to the Prophet السلام, when he sat with him. And this is also something which is mentioned. That if a student is able to sit close to where the teacher is, then that is something good. That is from the mannerisms of seeking knowledge. That you sit close around where the teacher is, where the shaykh is, where the scholar is. You sit around him closely in order to seek that knowledge. Because again, that will make your focus better. Rather than sitting somewhere a far place away, if you sit close and near, then that will make your focus better also. And that's what Jibreel did. He sat very close next to the Prophet then Jibreel when he sat with his knees next to the knees of the Prophet he then put his hands, Jibreel put his hands on his own thighs. So you can imagine sitting on your knees and putting the hands on your thighs. That's how Jibreel sat in front of the Prophet وَهَذَا فِيهِ أَنَّ الْمُتَعَلِّمِ يَنْبَغِي أَنْ يَكُونَ بِصُورَةٍ هَادِئًا مُؤَدَّبًا This indicates that when a person is sitting down in front of the teacher, in front of the shaykh, then the person should be sitting down in a respectful way, in a good way, in a way which is a good appearance, nicely sat down with the hands down on the knees, etc. Not fidgeting around and leaning on one side or leaning on the other side or lying down, but to be sitting in a good appearance and form, to seek that knowledge. This is what Jibreel did when he sat with the Prophet Then after that when Jibreel sat down properly in the good appearance in front of the teacher, the Prophet Muhammad on this occasion, then he asked him the questions that he had. And this shows the good mannerisms. Not that you just walk in and without him sitting down, without anything, you start speaking and raising your voice or something of that nature. But rather you come in, calmly sit down in front of the teacher, proper appearance, and then you ask the questions that you have. All of this is from the good mannerisms of seeking knowledge. So then Jibreel asked the first question. Akhbirni anil Islam. Jibreel he asked the Prophet tell me about Islam. And the reason was, in order that the people could be taught. Jibreel was asking these questions so that the people would listen to the answers and learn them. So he said, tell me about Islam. Islam. Jibreel was asking the Prophet to clarify to him what the reality of Islam is. What is Islam? لأنه لا بد من معرفة حقيقة الإسلام فلا يكفي أن الإنسان ينتسب إلى الإسلام أو يقول أنا مسلم وهو لا يعرف حقيقة الإسلام. The Sheikh says a person needs to know what the reality of Islam is. There's no point or it's not enough. It's not enough for a person just to say I am Muslim and I practice Islam, my religion is Islam. But a person doesn't know anything about Islam and he doesn't know what it means to be practicing Islam. The Shaykh says that's not enough. 
That's not how it should be. You just say I'm Muslim and you just say we are, 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 are on Islam. The reality is the Shaykh says you need to know what this is. What is this Islam? What does it mean for you to be a Muslim? So here Jibreel salam asked the Prophet salam, tell me what is the reality of Islam? What is Islam? The Shaykh says if a person doesn't know that, all he knows is we're Muslim, we practice Islam, but what is it? What does it mean to be Muslim? What does it mean Islam? You don't know the answers to any of that? And the Shaykh says, in reality, you're not going to be practicing Islam properly then. How can you practice Islam properly? As the Prophet ﷺ taught us, as the revelation it mentioned to us in the Quran and the Sunnah, if you don't know what that is, if you don't know the reality of Islam or what it means to be a Muslim, how are you going to practice it properly? How are you going to worship Allah properly if you don't know how to do that? So here the Shaykh says, it's a must to understand the reality of Islam. So then the Prophet ﷺ began to explain the reality of what this Islam is. And we know that this Islam, it is built upon five pillars. Islam, this religion is built upon the five pillars. Just like in the hadith, بُنِيَ الْإِسْلَامُ عَلَى خَمْسِ شَهَادَةِ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهُ وَإِقَامِ الصَّلَاةِ وَإِتَاءِ الزَّكَاةِ وَصَمِ رَمَضَانِ وَحَجِّ الْبَيْتِ The shahada, as the Prophet ﷺ mentions here now, الْإِسْلَامُ أَنْ تَشْهَدَ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهُ This is the first part of Islam. The first part of somebody being a Muslim. To bear testification that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does that mean? We already mentioned the conditions of La ilaha illallah in our previous lessons. The conditions of La ilaha illallah. On top of that, this La ilaha illallah, it is built or it is the foundation of this religion which is Tawheed. The religion of Islam, its foundation is this Tawheed. Tawheed meaning to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make Allah single and unique and one. How do you make Allah single and unique and one? And the scholars have mentioned there must be affirmation and negation. And we've covered this before, but to recap it again. Affirmation and negation. That for you to say that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth, you're negating that any deity has the right to be worshipped in truth. Illallah, except Allah, you're affirming that to Allah. When you negate and you affirm together, that's what the Tawheed is. The scholars give that example, Shaykh Al-Athimeen, Rahimahullah. He says, imagine now if you say that Muhammad is standing up. There's a group of people in a room and you say that from amongst that group of people, Muhammad is standing up. So how many of them are standing up? How many are standing up? One. You would expect one because we just said there's a group of people in a room and Muhammad is standing up from amongst them. Okay, Muhammad is standing up. The other three or four people in that group, Khalid and Umar and Uthman and Ali, the other three or four, what are they doing? Sitting down. But who said they're sitting down? Did anybody say the other three or four are sitting down? Did I say that? I didn't say that. All I said was Muhammad is standing up. 
The other three or four, I didn't say anything about them. Maybe they're standing up too. It could be. I didn't say the others are sitting down. I just said Muhammad is standing up. Maybe the other three or four, Khalid and Umar, whoever it is, maybe they are standing up as well. It could be. That's not a lie. I didn't say they're sitting down. So that's not Tawheed then. I haven't made Muhammad singular and unique. Maybe the others are standing up too. So what I need to do to make Muhammad single and unique and be the only one standing up is to give you the second part of the statement as well. Muhammad is standing up and nobody else is standing up. Now how many are standing up? Definitely Muhammad only one. Because I just said he's standing up and nobody else is standing up. So now you know for definite there's only one. That's Tawheed. Because I've given you affirmation, Muhammad is standing up and negation, nobody else is standing up. When you put the two together, you have Tawheed. That's what La ilaha illallah is. La ilaha, there is no deity worthy of worship. In truth, negation. Illallah, except Allah, affirmation. That's like me saying, there's nobody standing up in the room except Muhammad. Tawheed, he's the only one standing up now. There is no deity worthy of worship in truth, except Allah. Tawheed, only Allah has the right to be worshipped then. That's the basis of this religion, that's what Tawheed is. That Tawheed then, it can be different types. There is Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Al-Rububiyyah meaning that we make the Tawheed of Allah when it comes to those actions that are specific to Allah. There are certain actions that only Allah can do. They are specific to Him. Nobody else helped Allah or participated with Allah in them. For example, the creation of the heavens and the earth. For example, giving life and death. For example, the sustenance and the provisions and the rain. For example, controlling all of the universe. All of those actions, only Allah does them alone and nobody else does. Tawheed. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. That you affirm the Tawheed of Allah with regards to His actions. Nobody else participates with Allah in those actions. Tawheed. Then there's another type of Tawheed. Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. Which is to affirm the Tawheed of Allah with our actions. What's our actions? Worship. When you pray and fast and zakat and in the heart, love, fear, hope, and the body, prayer, hajj, all of these actions, we do them sincerely to Allah and negate them from anybody else. Tawheed. That's the Tawheed of our actions to Allah alone. Then there is a third type, the Tawheed of Al-Asma wa Sifat, the names and attributes. And that is to affirm that Allah has the most beautiful and perfect of names and attributes and nobody else participates with Allah in those names and attributes. Allah has no comparisons. Allah has no equals. Allah has no partners. Names and attributes of Allah, the Tawheed of that. These are the various types of Tawheed. And that's what the fundamental and the basis of this religion is. To understand those aspects. To understand what Tawheed is. That's why Allah said in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا Allah sent the prophets and messengers to different people, to different nations. All of those prophets and messengers that were sent, every single one had the same message. Allah said in the Quran, all of them we sent, we sent the prophets and messengers to the different nations. Every one of them used to say to them, Allah, worship Allah alone upon ta'ud, and stay away from the false deities. Affirmation, negation. All of them used to call to this Tawheed. That shows you that this religion, the basis of it is Tawheed. 
That's why in one ayah in the Quran Allah says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ From all of the sins, Allah says, He will not forgive shirk, which is the opposite of tawheed. If somebody does shirk, associates partners to Allah in any way, gives any of his worship to others besides Allah in any way, then that is a sin that Allah will not forgive. But if a person does it and dies upon it without repentance, without tawbah, then that cannot be forgiven, the person will be in the hellfire. But any other sin lesser than that can be forgiven by Allah. Allah may forgive the other sins, but shirk will not be forgiven. That shows to you that the most important thing to learn in the religion is tawheed and shirk. That's the most important thing. Because that is the one thing that cannot be forgiven if you die upon it on making that mistake of shirk. Whereas other sins, even if you steal, even if you drink alcohol, all these other sins, they could be forgiven. They may be forgiven, but shirk cannot be forgiven. So that indicates to you that the basis and the fundamental of this religion is to understand this tawheed and shirk. Another example of that, when the Prophet ﷺ became a prophet, for the first 10 or 12 years, approximately 10 or 12 years, what was he calling to? What was the da'wah of the Prophet ﷺ for the first 10 or 12 years? Purely tawheed, not even the prayer. Prayer five times a day, that came about 12 years later. The first 10 or 12 years was just purely tawheed. The commandment to pray, that only came about 10 or 12 years later. First 10 or 12 years was just tawheed to the people. That shows you all of these evidences that the basis of the religion is tawheed. Even when the Prophet ﷺ used to send people to give da'wah, he used to tell them, start with tawheed. Then move on to the prayer and other things. There's a hadith when Mu'adh ibn Jabal, رضي الله عنه, one of the companions, he was sent to Yemen by the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, إِنَّكَ تَأْتِي قَوْمًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ You're going to go there and there are people, you're going to come to people of the book, Christians and Jews. فَلْتَكُنْ أَوَّلُ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةً لَا إِلَهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ So make sure the first thing you give them da'wah to, the first thing you call them to, is the tawheed of la ilaha illallah. First thing. Then, if they accept that, you can tell them about the prayer and other things. So this is what the Prophet ﷺ said, when Jibreel ﷺ said, tell me about Islam. The very first thing, the first pillar, al-Islamu an tashhada an la ilaha illallah, wa anna muhammadan rasulullah. Then after that, wa tuqeemu salah and that you establish the prayer, and that you give the zakat, Ramadan, and that you fast in Ramadan, and that you make the hajj wa tahujjul bayt in istata'ata ilayhi sabila. The word Islam itself, al-Islam, it means al-istislam, to be subservient, to be subservient, i.e. to fulfill the commandments as Allah has ordain them upon you. The commandments which have come, then you do them. What you have been commanded to do and told to do, you do that. To be subservient. That's what the name Islam means. Al-Istislam. To be a servant of Allah and to fulfill the commandments and the obedience to Allah upon Tawheed. That's what the word Islam itself means. To be subservient. And to be innocent. وَالْبَرَاءَةُ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَأَهْلِهِ To be innocent of shirk and to leave away Anything to do with shirk. And that's why there is actually another book 
It's known as the three fundamental principles. There's a book called the three fundamental principles. That book explains to you the very basis of this religion. It tells you who Allah is, what Islam is, and who the messenger Muhammad is. That book, the three fundamental principles answers those three questions. Who is Allah? Who is the Muhammad Sallallahu and who is this? What is Islam? Those three are answered in that book, so you should refer to that book also. So here then, as we mentioned, Islam it means to be subservient, and the first part of it was Shahada to an la ilaha illallah. We've just explained that now, the Tawheed. Then also Muhammadun Rasulullah, that Muhammad Sallallahu is the Messenger of Allah. When you bear testification. That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah. Then what you mean by that is four things. There are four things which are needed from you when you say, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. You bear testification that Muhammad sallallahu is the messenger of Allah. Four things are needed from you. One of them is, Ta'atuhu fima amara. To obey the messenger of Allah in that which he commanded us. The things which the Prophet ﷺ commanded us with, then you must obey the Prophet ﷺ in those affairs. Why? Because Allah commanded us to do that. Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا Whatever the Prophet ﷺ gives you, commands you, then do it. And whatever he prohibits you from, stay away from it. So when you say that you testify Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah, then obviously you have to obey him in the things that he commanded us to do. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah also said in the Quran, وَمَا يَنْتِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٍ يُحَىٰ The Prophet ﷺ doesn't speak from his own desires. When he speaks, that is inspiration from Allah, revelation. So follow him in that. That's the first thing, to obey the Messenger of Allah in that which he commands us with. The second is to stay away from the things that he prohibits us from. اجتناب ما نهى عنه وزجره to stay away from the things that he prohibited us from just like in the hadith ما نهيتكم عنه فاجتنبوا that which I have prohibited you from then stay away from it if you testify Muhammad is the messenger of Allah then you have to stay away from that which he told us to stay away from from the haram acts from the acts which are not allowed impermissible sins etc the third thing, when you bear testification that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah وسلم, then it is تَصْدِيقُهُ fima akhbara To believe in the information that the Prophet وسلم, taught us. There are lots of different hadith that the Prophet وسلم, taught us. And some of those things are from the unseen. They are from the unseen. Like the things that are going to happen on the Day of Judgment. The Prophet ﷺ told us lots of hadith about things that are going to happen on the Day of Judgment. We don't see those things, it's not happened yet. But we believe that it's going to happen exactly like that. Exactly how the Prophet ﷺ told us. That the Dajjal coming and Isa ﷺ coming back. All of those things will occur. We believe in that. We also believe in other things that are unseen, like the punishment of the grave and the blessings of the grave. That when a person is put into the grave, then maybe the grave is squashed on that person and a door to hellfire is opened. Or the grave is made wide and big and a door to paradise is opened. We believe in all of those things. Because this is what the Prophet ﷺ taught us. 
So you accept the information and the news that the Prophet ﷺ told us with certainty. And in fact, there's some examples of that. There's a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said that there's going to be a fire which happens in the Arabian Peninsula. And the Prophet ﷺ gave the descriptions of this fire, how it's going to be. He told us that 1400 years ago. This description of this fire that the Prophet ﷺ said was going to happen in the Arabian Peninsula, so what's now called Saudi Arabia and that area, it actually already happened. About seven or eight hundred years ago, some of the scholars, the historians, they wrote it down in the books that there was a fire that happened, and it happened exactly how the Prophet ﷺ had mentioned it was going to happen 1400 years ago. So this shows you clearly that the speech of the Prophet ﷺ, it is true. It is revelation from Allah. There are other examples too, the scholars they mention. Even, for example, if a dog was to come and lick your cup, you have a cup or a plate or something there, and a dog comes and licks it. How do you wash it? In the sunnah we've been told how to wash it. If a dog comes and licks your cup, how do you wash it? It's mentioned in the sunnah that you have to wash it out seven times. Once is not enough. If a dog licks your cup, then wash it seven times. Once, then twice, then three times, seven times. Not only that though, seven times and the first time you have to mix some soil in there as well. Get some soil, mix it in with the water and wash it the first time, then six more times after that, without soil. Just the first time soil with the water, Mix it all in and wash it, rinse it out, then six more times with water. That's how you have to wash it. Some of the scientists say, Sheikh Ozan mentioned this, they say that they found some proof that in soil, there are certain chemicals which neutralize the bacteria which is found in the saliva of dogs. Some scientists, they said they found that there are certain chemicals in soil they neutralize and they kill the bacteria which is found in the saliva of dogs. If that's true, then that's again another miracle from the Prophet ﷺ, which again shows to you the truthfulness. Even if these things aren't true, because sometimes people go too far. They start mentioning lots of different scientific research, and this shows how the Qur'an and the Sunnah is true. Some of those things might be right, some of them might not. In 10 years time, some of the scientists might come along and say, actually we don't believe that anymore, that was a wrong theory. So that doesn't mean that our religion is wrong, that just means their theories are wrong. So science isn't what you base your religion on. That's just something extra that comes along and it can prove, or uh, it, it, it proves the reality of the evidences of the Quran and Sunnah even more. But it's not that you base your religion on science. But the point being, that we believe in the information that the Prophet ﷺ gave us about the various affairs and all of the ahadith. Then the fourth part, that you do not worship Allah except how the Prophet ﷺ taught us to worship Allah. That's the only way you're allowed to worship Allah. You cannot make anything up yourself. You can only worship Allah in the way that we've been taught to worship Allah in the Quran and the Sunnah. It's not allowed for anybody to make up some new way himself. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ told us it's not allowed. There's a hadith. مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ Whoever makes up some new thing into our religion which is not from it, then it will be rejected. So you're not allowed to make anything up. Every act of worship you must understand from the evidences of the Quran and the Sunnah. It must be evidence, then there must be proof. 
That's why it's not right when people say, even if there's no evidence, as long as I'm doing it to show my love for Allah and the Messenger, then you must be okay. No, it's not. It's not okay. Even if you are saying I'm doing it to show my love for Allah and the Messenger, it has to be with evidence from the Quran and the Sunnah. We've been told to worship Allah with this revelation. The Quran and the Sunnah is there to teach us how to worship Allah. Not that you leave that and make up your own ways. So that's the fourth part when you say, I testify Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. You testify that you will not worship Allah except how the Prophet taught us to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second pillar of Islam is the prayer. The Prophet then said to Jibreel the second pillar of Islam is the prayer. The prayer then we know that it is an obligation five times in the day and the night. Every 24 hours it's an obligation five times. The Fajr prayer, the Dhuhr prayer, the Asr prayer, the Maghrib prayer, the Isha prayer. And those five prayers must be prayed. They must be prayed and it is not an option in any way. An individual who leaves the prayer, even just out of laziness, maybe somebody says out of laziness it doesn't bother. The scholars used to be severe in warning those people who leave the prayer. Because in one hadith it says, أَوَّلُ مَا يُسْأَلُ عَنْهُ الْعَبْدِ الصَّلَاةِ The first thing that a person is going to be asked about on the day of judgment, when your accountability starts, the first thing the hadith says you're going to be asked about is your prayer. Did you even used to pray five times a day or not? That's going to be the first thing. Then the hadith says, if you're good on that, you did used to pray five times a day, and your prayer is all intact and everywhere, you prayed it every day of your life, you were praying, then the rest of your actions, they'll follow suit, they'll be okay too. If you're praying five times a day, and you're keeping your connection to Allah, and you're being obedient, then the rest of your actions, then they will typically follow in line. But if you're not even praying, the hadith says, if the prayer is wrong, when you're asked about that, and you haven't even been praying, then what do you expect about the rest of the actions? Person doesn't even pray, what do you think he's going to do with other acts of worship? The prayer is the highest level of the worship now. From the worships, from the acts of obedience. The shahada, then the prayer. If a person doesn't even pray, then what do you expect he's going to do with other obediences? That's why in the Quran it says the prayer, if you pray it, you keep it intact, it prevents you from committing other sins. The prayer, if you pray it five times a day and you're strong on that, it will help you to stop you doing other sins. It will help you to stop doing other sins. It mentions in the Quran. So the prayer is the second highest pillar of Islam. It is so important and so virtuous. The Prophet ﷺ said, الْعَهْدُ الَّذِي بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَهُمْ فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا فَقَدْ كَفَرْ In one narration, فَقَدْ أَشْرَكْ The Prophet ﷺ said that the barrier or the covenant between us and them, what's the difference between us and them? The believers and the disbelievers. This is the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. What's the difference between the Muslims and the non-Muslims? He said, the prayer. That's one of the highest things. So whoever leaves the prayer, the Prophet ﷺ said, he's disbelieved. That's why many of the scholars, they say, the person who doesn't pray is a kafir, not even a Muslim. That's how important the prayer is. So an individual must understand that. And Allah said in the Quran, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا that this prayer, it has been prescribed upon the people to pray in the right times. You have to pray the prayer in the right times, not just pray whenever. There are certain times you've been taught to pray. If you pray whenever, then it might not be accepted. 
has to be in the right times. And that's why it's mentioned also that these prayers must be prayed how the Prophet taught us to pray them. Pray as you have seen me pray. So much importance is given to the prayer that the ruling for the prayer was given to the Prophet directly from Allah. Normally the other rules, the other halal and the haram and all these things, how did the Prophet learn them? Who would come and tell him? Jibreel would come. He would come with the revelation from Allah and teach the Prophet But the prayer, Jibreel didn't bring that and teach the Prophet The Prophet was taught the prayer directly from Allah. Allah gave the command for the prayer directly to the Prophet Up in the heavens, the Prophet was taken to the heavens on the night of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj. Taken up to the heavens and there Allah gave the command for the prayer. Shows you the level of the importance of this prayer. So that is something that a person should not in any way, shape or form be slack in. The prayer is an absolute must. An individual who doesn't pray, then there's a great threat upon that individual. A great threat for the punishment in the hereafter for the one who doesn't pray. And how much does it take? How long does it take for an individual to pray his prayers in the day? The five prayers of the day. Even if a person took 20 minutes or half an hour for each prayer. Even if he took half an hour for each prayer, for example, two and a half hours out of 24 hours. Two hours out of 24 hours. It's nothing. If a person put that time aside every day, one hour, two hours a day every day, making sure he prays his prayers, then that will be a benefit to him in the hereafter. But if a person can't even put aside an hour or two hours in the day, 10, 20 minutes at each time to pray those prayers, then what does he expect in the hereafter in his accountability in his books? Then after that also is the zakat. That a person must then give the zakat. And that is mentioned in the Quran as well, in the sunnah, about the zakat and how much you have to give from your money. There's a certain portion you have to give uh, for the person who has a certain amount of money. All those rules are mentioned within the Quran and the sunnah in order that the people, their wealth is uh, distributed amongst those individuals who are in need of it. And those who are rich, it doesn't decrease their wealth. If you're rich and you have money and you need to give zakat, when you give that zakat, it doesn't decrease your money. It makes your money even more blessed. It puts blessing into your money. The word zakat in Arabic itself means increasement. When you give the zakat, it doesn't make your money go down, it makes your money go up. It makes more blessings into the money you have. But if you don't give the zakat, then even if you pile lots of money together, the blessing will not be there. But you give the zakat, take some of it out and give it, the blessing will go into your money. So this is again one of the pillars of Islam. The fourth pillar that is mentioned is the fasting. To fast every year in Ramadan. Again, something which is an obligation. Not something you can just choose to do if you feel like it. The Ramadan must be fasted every year for those who are in the position of doing so. This month of Ramadan in which the Quran was revealed up until the statement of Allah. So whomsoever from you witnesses the month of Ramadan, then fast within that month. So it is obligatory upon the person, upon the Muslim, to fast in the month of Ramadan. If a person is ill, then of course there are rulings linked to that. You could miss those days and make them up afterwards, etc. Or if a person was traveling, there are rulings that you can then learn about the fasting. But generally speaking, then it's upon a person 
to fast in the days of Ramadan. After that, the final pillar is the Hajj. Hajj, uh, Ar-Rukn al-Khamis, Hajj al-Bayti, uh, Hajj al-Bayti Allah al-Haram, man istada'a ilayhi sabila. That the person must go to the house of Allah and perform the Hajj for the one who is able. The one who has the health and the money and etc. And is able to go, then you must go once in the lifetime to perform that Hajj. And that's why it says in the hadith, man istata'a ilayhi sabila. For the one who is able, the one who has no money, he can't afford to go, whatever he does, then that's not an issue for him on top of him. That's not a sin upon him then. But the one who has the ability, has the money, he can go, he can get the money together and go. And he has the physical health to be able to go at these affairs. Then he needs to go and perform that hajj once in the year, or once in the lifetime rather, once in the lifetime as a minimum. And similarly the scholars they say even the umrah should be done at least once also. That is the first question that Jibreel came and asked the Prophet Tell me about Islam. Those five pillars in summary, that's what the pillars of Islam are. That's what we'll conclude today. And next week we'll start with the next question that Jibreel asked the Prophet Tell me about Iman. What does it mean to have Iman in Allah, to have Iman in the angels, in the books of Allah, in the prophets and messengers, the day of judgment, the decree. That section about Iman will start from next week insha'Allah ta'ala at the same time at approximately 7.15pm insha'Allah ta'ala. If there's any questions, we can quickly take them. Otherwise, we'll conclude. So if there's no questions, then we'll conclude upon that now then. We'll carry on next week, inshaAllah.